Hi, you're listening to Koldodi Messianic Congregation's weekly podcast. Join us in person for our weekly Shabbat services every Saturday at 11 a.m. We meet at 3534 West End Avenue in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website at koldodi.org or follow us on Facebook and watch us live at facebook.com forward slash Nashville. And now, here's Rabbi Ken's latest message. We're reading the uh, Megillah now for the story. This is the time if you have your groggers, going to give you some instructions as we read. This is a short reading, an abbreviated reading of the Megillah of Esther. So when we read the story, we just want you to make noise when the name Haman is mentioned. That's it. You can stamp your feet and you can make noise because we don't want his name to be heard. But you don't have to. The, the real meaning is blotting out his name because he's a descendant of Agag, the Agag, the Amalekite. All right, let's begin with the blessings. We'll do the traditional blessings. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kiddushanu Mitzvotav Vitzivanu Al Mikra Megillah Amen. We bless you. You want to read in English? We bless you, Hashem, our God, King of the whole world, who made us holy with his commandments and commanded us the mitzvah of reading the Megillah. Baruch atadonai Eloheinu melech haolam she'asa nasim lavoteinu bayamim hahem bazman hazeh. Amen. We bless you, Hashem, our God, King of the whole world, who made miracles for our forefathers in those days at this time of the year. Baruch atadonai Eloheinu melech haolam shehechianu v'kimanu v'higianu l'azman hazeh. Amen. We bless you, Hashem, our God, King of the whole world, for keeping us alive, taking care of us, and bringing us to this season. All right, let's begin. Ahasuerus, the king of Persia and Media, made a big party in his palace garden. He let the people use his best furniture and gave them lots of wine to drink. The king sent servants to bring Queen Vashti. He wanted to show all the people how beautiful she was, but she said no. The king became very angry, and he wanted to punish Vashti. He asked his seven wise men what to do. One of his wise men said that Vashti should be killed. They also wanted the king to command that every man should be the boss in his house. No. Ahasuerus agreed. After that, Ahasuerus needed a new queen. His servants said that they would bring all the pretty girls to the palace and he would pick the best one. There was a great tzaddik named Mordechai. His cousin Esther was taken to the palace, but Mordechai told her not to say that she was Jewish. 
Esther's cousin Mordecai used to walk by the palace every day to find out how she was. For a whole year, the girls got perfumes and cosmetics. Every day, a different girl would come to Ahasuerus, but he didn't like any of them for his queen. Finally, Esther came to the king. He liked her so much that he made her his queen. The king was so happy that he made a big party. One day, Mordecai heard two soldiers planning to kill the king. He told Esther, she told the king. They wrote in his record book that Mordecai had saved his life. Ahasuerus had a wicked servant named Haman. <laughs> Uh, the, the king made Haman his chief officer and said that everyone must bow to him. Mordecai would, would not bow to Haman. Haman was so angry at Mordecai that he wanted to kill all the Jews. Haman wanted to find a lucky, lucky day to kill the Jews. He made a lottery to pick a day. Then Haman, Haman went to talk to Ahasuerus into letting him do it. The king let... <laughs> we didn't say his name. Make a law that all Jews should be killed on the 13th day of Adar. Then he sent letters to all the king's countries to tell everyone about it. Ahasuerus and Haman were so happy that they sat down to drink lots of wine. But the Jews did not know why such a thing should happen to them. When Mordecai heard about the law, he put on clothes made of rough cloth to show how sad he was. Then he went to Esther's palace. Esther's maids told her about Mordecai. She sent someone to talk to him. Mordecai sent a, a me, her a message that she should beg the king to save the Jews. Esther sent Mordecai a message. If you go to the king without permission, the soldiers will kill me. Mordecai answered, you must go. This is why the Lord made you queen. Mm. Esther said that she would risk her life to help her fellow Jews, but only if they would fast and pray for her for three days. She and her maids would fast too. Three days later, Esther came to the king. He was happy to see her, so he pointed his scepter toward her. That meant that the soldiers were not allowed to kill her. At the party, the king said that Esther should have, could have anything that she wanted. She said, please, come with Haman to the party that I will make tomorrow. Haman <laughs> was happy and proud, but when he saw Mordecai, he became very angry. Hamam's wife, Seresh, said, 
Make a tall gallows and hang Mordechai on it. Ahasuerus could not sleep. God gave him insomnia. <clears throat> really, really he did. His servants read to him that Mordechai once saved his life, but was not rewarded. Hmm. The king asked Haman, come on, what's the biggest honor I can give? Haman? <laughs> he answered, have someone lead him through Shusham, riding your horse and wearing your robe. The king said, do that for more than high the Jew. Yay! Haman came running, came running to meet the king at Esther's party. Esther begged the king, please save me and my people from this wicked Haman. He wants to kill us. The king was very angry. Harbona said that Haman had made a gallows for Mordecai. The king said, hang him on it. Then he gave Haman's property to Esther. Esther begged the king to take back the law that all the Jews should be killed. He said that the law could not be taken back, but Esther and Mordecai could add to it. Mordecai wrote a new law saying that the Jews were allowed to kill their enemies on the 13th of Adar. Fast riders delivered the law to all the countries. Ahasuerus dressed Mordecai like, the ki like a king, and the Jews in Shushan were very happy. The Jews were respected, and they became masters of their enemies. Mordecai left the king wearing blue and white royal robes, uh, clothes with a big gold crown and robes of fine linen, it says, and purple wool. And the city of Shushan was cheerful and glad. It says the Jews had light and gladness, joy and honor. In Shushan, the Jews killed the ten sons of Haman. Keep it going. The last time. Keep it going. <laughs> and 500 more enemies, but the Jews did not take any other money for themselves. Esther asked the king to let the Jews in Shushan kill their enemies for one more day. In every city, the Jews rested on the day after they fought. They sent food to friends. Mordecai told the Jews to make a holiday every year. It was called Purim because... Ham Haman's logic was called poor. poor. We feast, give food to friends, and give to the poor. Gifts to the poor, yeah. Esther's asked that the Purim story be written in the Tanakh, in the, in the Bible. Mordecai became the king's chief officer. He did everything he could to help the Jews, and they loved him. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We bless the Lord. We bless the Lord. We bless you, O Lord, our God, King of the whole world, who fights for us, judges our claim for us, gets revenge for us, pay, pays back the enemies who want to kill us, and punishes our foes for us. We bless you, Lord, who punishes all their foes, foes for the sake of his people Israel. He is the God who saves. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam. 
Amen. He is the God who saves. Let's say, He is the God who saves. Ha'el Hamoshienu. Let's say it. Ha'el Hamoshienu. Amen. Hamoshia, Hamoshia, rather. Hamoshia. I can't read. Hamoshia. Amen. Turn in the book to the book of Esther. Father, we just thank you. Pray you continue to water our hearts, O God, and speak to us. B'shem Yeshua. Gal Enaiva Avitani Hashem Yeshua. Open our eyes, pull wonderful things from your word. Amen. Is the book of Esther a God-centered book or a God-absent book? We've been talking about Esther, and so we're going to finish up the series really today, this book of Esther, the Purim. God explicitly is not mentioned one time in the book. As we all probably know here, he's intentionally, intentionally concealed, obscured, unrecognized, masked. Maybe that's why we do costumes on Purim, in a sense, one reason. He's hidden, if you will. Tetzaveh, rather, the parsha before Purim that we're in right now in the Torah, is the only parsha in Exodus where Moses' name is not mentioned, although he's most certainly very present. Someone has stated, God prefers to be hidden and secret. Indeed, the entire universe indicates that God is hidden. Now, I know when I became a new believer, I was greatly aided by the books of Dr. Francis Schaeffer. Anyone else read Dr. Francis Schaeffer? Labrie Fellowship, he started in uh, Switzerland. I made my way, hitchhiked actually, out there. I don't recommend hitchhiking anymore in these days, but I was young and I did hitchhike across in Europe, and I hitchhiked to Switzerland. I actually found my way to Labrie Fellowship. He wasn't there. He was in his latter years. He was away at the time. Um, but, I, but his books had such an impact on me in me, my faith surviving and my, in my getting stronger as a believer, struggling through, you know, wrestling through. I shouldn't say struggling, wrestling. Well, wrestling through a lot of, you know, questions about God's existence. And a couple of the books he wrote, The God Who Is There. And he is there and he is not silent in my early Yeshua years. Isaiah 45, verse 15 says, Truly, you are a God who hides himself. Achen ata el mistater. Elohe Yisrael Moshia. O God of Israel, Savior. You hide yourself. The word satar, the root, it means to protect, to conceal from view, or hidden. Esther, or Esther, of course, her Hebrew name, Hadassah, as we know, but her Esther means hidden, plus the Aleph. So Esther can mean God is hidden. Again, as someone observed, God likes concealment, but we like display. God doesn't crave outward manifestations, but we cannot be content without them. In 1 Kings chapter 19, there's that beautiful story of Elijah, Eliyahu, Hanavi. Remember Elijah? And he's in the cave. He's hiding from Jezebel, right? And God says to him a couple times in the Hebrew, it's, what's for you here, Elijah? What's for you here, Elijah? What are you doing here? A great strong wind arose, but God wasn't in it. Then an earthquake came, but God wasn't in it. Then a fire came, and God was still not in it. Finally, after the fire came a gentle, quiet voice. 
Elijah told God that he was the only faithful one left. But God very gently answered him, saying that he'd reserved for himself 7,000 men who had not bowed the knee to Baal. 1 Kings 19.18 God's activity was so hidden that not even the prophet Elijah knew anything about it. Isn't that something? We need to know the God who hides himself, who does things in secret. Our father, Yeshua said, sees in secret. And he is in secret. Matthew 6, verses 4, 6, and 18. Yeshua said it twice. He sees in secret, and my father is in secret. How has God been working in obscurity throughout your life's history or my life's history this morning to bring you to where you are this morning? Think about it. He sees in secret, and he is in secret. Now, in review, remember some major points that we can take from this story, this Megillah of Esther. Number one, God has a master plan. A master plan. If you read this book, these chapters, God's in total control. He has a plan. Two, he wants us to play key roles in the story. Key roles. He doesn't do it without us. You say he could. Yeah, but he doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Yeah, he builds, but... Wait, there's laborers building the house. Oh, but God's building? No, but the laborers, wait. It's a cooperative effort, isn't it? Together. He has an awesome sense of humor. The book's filled with all sorts of irony. Everything backfires beautifully on the enemy. Number four, we have a window of opportunity. Just a window. We don't have forever. We just have that window of opportunity. And we need to go through it. Not let it, it's going to pass by, it's going to shut. Number five, we don't don't evaluate and draw conclusions by what it looks like now because we don't see the full picture. Listen, fruit takes time, doesn't it? Anyone going to plant anything this? Spring, maybe? Plant some seeds? Plant some, something? It takes time, doesn't it? It takes time to see the fruit and patience, right? Don't make, draw the conclusions by what things look like before that. And lastly, the best is really with God. Thank God the best is yet to come. It really is. The best is yet to come. Now, the events in the Megillah The scroll of Esther occur historically in the middle of the 4th century BCE, some 2,400, 2,500 years ago. Toward the end of the Persian period, 200 years, by the way, before Hanukkah, Israel is in scattered mode, or we call it diaspora, outside of her homeland. The Persian Empire extended over 127 lands, And Jews were in all or most of them. The scroll is the source of our holiday. The book of Esther is the 
story of Purim. It's the source, which means Purim means lots in ancient Persian, recalling how Haman or Haman, there we go, there we go, drew lots to determine when he would carry out his plot to annihilate all Jews, young and old, infants and women, in a single day. Chapter 3, verse 13. Let me say this. Anti-Semitism is rooted in Satan's desire to attack God and his word, to nullify and invalidate his eternal promises. Come, they say, let us wipe them out as a nation. Let Israel's name be remembered no more. Psalm 83, verse 4. Has God said? Hath God said? Remember those words? Has God really said? You see, says the enemy, God's word isn't true. Israel is no longer a nation. The Jews are no longer a people. God doesn't keep his promises. Israel will not be a light to the nations, like he said. Yeshua, Jesus, will never be born and be able to say, salvation is of the Jews, John 4.22, which he said. However, the plan ultimately completely backfired because although he is not mentioned, we see the sovereign hand of God working behind the scenes, the scenes of the play, so to speak, to thwart and overturn all the evil intentions and bring about deliverance. The entire story, by the way, covers a nine-year span of time. Now, Psalm 118, verse 5. I love this verse. It was in one of the devotions I did in Devashlafi this week and just stood out to me. It says, in distress, and I'm giving you the Hebrew the words, in distress or being compressed or narrowed place, in a narrowed place, I summon, I call on Adonai. He answers, he responds to me, enlarging or widening me with himself, because Adonai is mentioned again. In distress, it, it's tsarar. Tarar in Hebrew, it means a confined space where I'm trapped. Versus the widening is rachav. Rachav means a broad, open place, or broad, open space where I can move about freely. Stress of suffering and danger constricting one's spirit versus joy and relief and expansion of one's spirit due to the Lord's deliverance. That's what he does. There are things that you cannot talk to anyone else about. Only, only, only God understands. Because he created the capacity to know the pain. I'm narrowed into him, and he widens me in himself. That's what he does. You say, why can't I talk to someone else about it? You can, but you know only he can really understand. A huge battle was taking place in this book of Esther. The adversary's plot was to blot out 
God's people once and for all. Someone had to step up to the plate. A remnant. And God always uses a few. A man, a woman, a few. Who will it be? Look at Esther chapter 4 for a minute, if you would. We're just going to look at the few verses in that chapter. Verse 1. When Mordechai learned all that was done, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went out in the, into the middle of the city, crying out in a loud and bitter voice. And why was he doing that? Because he had, maybe he thought, it's my fault. He wouldn't bow to Haman. He didn't bow, and, and maybe it's his fault now that the destruction's about to come on the Jewish people. He told Esther to, to be quiet and not to, not to acknowledge her Jewish identity, but he, he certainly didn't hide his. Interesting. Later on, she's going to acknowledge it, my, say my people, but the right time. She was under his uh, guidance. But now maybe he feels it's his fault. All this is coming. And this is disastrous. And he's, it says in verse 2, he went out only, went only as far as the king's palace because no one could enter the king's gate clothed in sackcloth. In each and every province where the king's edict and law was, there was great mourning among the Jews with fasting, weeping, and wailing. Many put on sackcloth and ashes. Intercession taking place. The war is won. Listen, the war is won on our knees before it's won with our brains and our brawn. It's won with our cries upward before our efforts outward. Look at verses 4 through 9. When Esther's maids and eunuchs came and told her, the queen was greatly distressed. She sent clothes for Mordechai to put on, to put on so she would remove his sackcloth, but he refused. So Esther, you know, she was kind of like embarrassed maybe, you know, embarrassed for him, you know, so to put on nice clothes so they don't embarrass me, but he refused. So Esther summoned Hathach, I didn't look up the Hebrew of his name here. I don't have it here, so I don't know how it would be pronounced. But she summoned Hathach, one of the king's eunuchs, whom he had appointed to attend her, and he ordered him to go to Mordechai to find out. So he's the he's mediator here. Find out, the, the, the messenger, find out the cause and the reason for this. So he went out to Mordechai in the city and the square, and etc. and Mordechai tells him everything that's going on. So he sends him to Mordecai to find out why he's in crisis mode. She learns of the plan to destroy the Jews, and he conveys to her to intercede on their behalf. As, again, Crystal beautifully shared that beautiful thought, how, she, how young she must have been and how, what a struggle. I love that song. Look at verse 11. Esther spoke to all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces fully understand that for anyone, this is Esther speaking, man or woman who approaches the king in the inner courtyard without being summoned, he has one law that he be put to death unless the king extends his golden scepter permitting him to live. But I have not been summoned to come to the king for 30 days. So 
she basically saying, her response is, this is way too risky. And God hasn't opened up a door right now. She says, I haven't been asked by the king. We know God isn't mentioned, but that's the idea. She's saying, basically, it's too risky, way too risky, and there's no door open, so I really can't do it right now. And look at Mordechai's response in verses 13 and 14. Mordechai told them to reply to Esther with this answer. Do not think that your soul, in your soul, that you'll escape in the king's household more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews, for the Jews, from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Well, he wasn't too gentle here, was he? Who knows whether you have attained royal status for such a time as this. That's not really a good translation here. I love TLV, but not there. It's you've touched the kingdom, literally, in the Hebrew. Who knows if you've touched the kingdom for such a time as this. He says, okay, basically, no problem. See you later, alligator. If not you, God will use another. But did you ever think that this might be why you are where you are right now? You've touched the kingdom. You've reached this position. Haga'at lamalchut. You've touched the kingdom. You're in this position for such a time as this. In the Hebrew, le'et kazot. Eight, a time. It means a set time. It can also be, et is from now, ata. For now, you're there now. Where you are now is for, God has put you where you are now for a reason. Not somebody else, you. You say, well, maybe someone, no, don't look, so, don't look to the right or the left. It's you. It's you. God wants to use you. You say, but I don't think I'm capable. I'm not worthy or I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the skill. God doesn't need your skill. He needs your availability. He needs your willingness. He needs your heart. Not your, not your skill. And so, she, for such a time as this, it can also mean your destiny. And look at what, here's why we love Esther so much. Look at her response to Mordechai's rebuke, to his challenge, if you will. I guess a challenge would be better, and it was a rebuke. In verse 16, her courageous about-face decision. Go, she said. Gather together all the Jews who are in Shushan and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, my maids, and I will fast in the same way. Afterwards, I will go into the king. So prayer first, put God first. Let's go to him. It's gonna, the power is going to come through God. It's not just our action, but it's God. We've got to put the Lord first. He'll do it, and he'll open. If, if he opens the way, then our actions will have power. Afterwards, I'll go to the king, even though it is not according to the law. So if I perish, and if I perish, ki avadti, avadti, if I perish, what I have lost, I have lost in the Hebrew, kasher, avadti, avadti, and that which, the Hebrew, and that which I have lost, I have lost. Means to lose valuable possession. I've, I've, it, what an amazing decision she makes. A total about face, a total reverse. Isn't that amazing? What an amazing decision to make. And, and again, as I said in the last week or two, she had other chances later, temptations later, to change her mind again. He offered her, the king kept offering her half his kingdom, said, you, anything you want, she could have said, wait a minute, maybe this is, let me, I can, you know, have a much, much better life. 
I don't have to risk, risk everything. And she didn't opt for it. She moved from what we could call self-preservation to self-sacrifice. And I like to think of these verses. 1 Corinthians 15, 46 says, However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. Or Romans 8, and I know that's dealing with the resurrection body, but I like the principle. Romans 8, in application. Romans 8, verses 5 and 6. But those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and shalom. So here's what happens with all of us. We react, and then we respond. We rebel, and then we, afterwards we repent, which in the Hebrew, teshuvah, really means to, to go backward. We fear, and we dis, distrust, and then we trust. We turn around and trust, right? We place our trust back in the Lord. We're selfish, and then we have an about face, maybe. We say, oh my gosh, forgive me, Lord. And we, sacri- we say, yes, I'll sacrifice. It's all about me and my life first. And then we have an encounter. We say, wait a minute. It's all about my king. And it's about the lives of others. Shepherd and king David said these words, I will not offer to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. 2 Samuel 24, 24. Yeshua said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life, and again, this word, avadti, this is when she said, I perish, I perish. It's avad. It means to lose. Valuable possession. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it, Yeshua said. What will it profit a person to gain his whole, loses, to gain the whole world, lose his own soul? Matthew 20, 16, 25, 26. Paul said, I've, whatever things were gained to me, I count it loss for Yeshua to know him. In Philippians chapter 3, I've counted everything loss for the value, to, in comparison to the value of knowing Messiah. I've counted everything loss. Counted all but garbage. Table, much means much worse than table trash that I might know the Messiah and gain, gain him. Now, ultimately, the Lord reversed everything. He reversed everything around, and the Hebrew word hafach, let's say hafach, hafach. Hafach, the Hebrew word means to change, to overturn in chapter 9, verses 1 and 22. It means he caused all the evil plans against the Jews to backfire. The royal robe and the horse and the public parade that Haman had asked for, thinking to honor himself, came upon Mordecai. Yay! The gallows he had prepared for Mordecai, he was hung on himself. The day that the Jews were to be massacred, the 13th of Adar, became their day of celebration and the, their enemy's destruction in chapter 9. So amazing. The, in chapter 9, verse 1, the enemies of the Jews had expected uh, to rule over them, to overpower them, but to... To the contrary, it says, the Jews overpowered those who hated them. But as it turned out, the opposite took place. Complete Jewish Bible translates it. I like that. The opposite took place. God overturns. He reverses. 
In even modern Hebrew, the word hafach means to turn upside down. Psalm 18, verses 18 through 20 says, He saved me from my powerful enemy. Thank you, Lord. From those who hated me. Let's thank the Lord for that. For they were much stronger than me. They came against me in my day of calamity. But Adonai, the Lord, was my support. He brought me out to a wide open place. He rescued me since he delighted in me. That's again Psalm 18. Or Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 1, 8 through 10, our trouble that happened to us in Asia, you remember, he says we were under great pressure so far beyond our strength that we despaired even of living. We wanted to die. In fact, we had within ourselves the death sentence. We were about to. It seemed like it. So that we might not, why? So that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He who rescued us from so great a danger of death will continue to rescue us. We have set our hope on him so that he will rescue us again. I am proud to be the rabbi of so many Esthers and Mordechais at Koldo D, so many sacrificing self-sacrificing, caring, loving, giving, courageous, patient, undeterred, determined women and men here at Koldo D, really. A prayerful community who choose to have joy, because it's a choice, to bounce back from disaster, to confess that we are winners, not losers, to fight back, revive, recover, and rebuild, even as did our ancestors, whether from Haman <laughs> and the Persian king with his army, or after the Holocaust in the satanic, satanic attempt to gain, again wipe us out, Koldodi is filled with similar heroes of character and courage, Esthers and Mordecais. We really are. I'm grateful. And my top three passages in closing of Scripture Summarizing especially this holiday in book are Job 5, 12 through 16. He says he frustrates the plans of the crafty so that the hand, their hands attain no success. He catches the clever in their craftiness and thwarts the plan of the cunning. But he saves the needy from the sword of their mouth and from the clutches of the mighty. So the helpless have hope, and injustice shuts its mouth. Proverbs 19.21, many are the thoughts in a man's heart, but Adonai's purpose, the Lord's purpose, that will rise up. That will stand, but the word is kum, it rises up. His purpose, his counsel. Many ideas coming together in a person's heart, but the Lord's goal and purpose what he intends to take place, it will, it's what will transpire or surface. And lastly, Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, he will also reap. For the one who sows to the flesh will reap corruption from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. So let us not lose heart in doing good. For in due time, fruit takes time, in due time, we will reap if we don't give up.
if we faint not, right? Therefore, whenever you have op- we have opportunity, let us do good toward all, especially, it says, toward those who belong to the household of faith, to God's family. There's a reason God still has you here and has positioned you to do what only you can do. I learn almost weekly now of friends and people I love being taken home or leaving this earth to Shemaim, to the heavens. And I always say, I really do, I say, why me, Lord? Why am I still here? They're so much better than me. I really mean, I feel that way. I say, why me? Why, why do they go? You take, and, I, and you know, to be honest, a lot of, with a lot, it's God wants them, they're so, they're so much. Right now, God has you, but God wants you here. He has you here to fulfill a purpose. Find it! Find it! It may be saving one person from giving up, or much worse. Maybe an entire people. God promised to make Israel into a great nation and blessing to all the families of the earth, Genesis 12. And that nations would come, will come to your light, Isaiah 60, verse 3. Look at the many surrounding families that were blessed through Esther and Mordechai. It says, Esther 8, 17, throughout every province and throughout every city, the Jews had gladness, joy, banquets, and holidays. Many peoples of the land became Jews They became people of faith. They trust the the God of Israel because the fear of the Jews had overcome them. They became believers too. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for this holiday that has so many, such great lessons. We thank you that you are the hidden God, the God who does things in secret and is still, are still doing. You hide yourself, oh Lord, but you are so, so, so active, so active on our behalf, on your people's behalf. So faithful, and you never fail. We love you, we thank you today. On this Chag Purim, we love you and we thank you. If you've never received Yeshua, we always want to give an invitation. I thank God for the people at Koldodi, many, and, and I thank God for those that remind, that say to me, thank you for giving an invitation. Please always give an invitation for salvation because it's so important, and, and thank you for always keeping that before me. I believe it. And if you've never trusted Yeshua and made that step, opening your heart to him, he loves you. God loves you, and Yeshua, Jesus, died for your sins. He wants to come and give you a new life right now, a new start. Just say a simple prayer, Lord, save me, rescue me, be my deliverer, help me now. I want to turn over things to you. Thank you. Open my heart to you. And if you're praying that, if the prayer people would come up here and be willing to, ready to pray with people now as we close, uh, we, someone will pray with you up front. Just come up afterwards and pray with someone. If you're watching online, please contact us. We'll contact you back and, and help you in any way to help you grow in your new faith in Yeshua. It's the most greatest day, the greatest day to have that new start to, Born, be born again, pass from death to life spiritually.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face upon you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his shalom. In the name of Yeshua, Jesus, our Messiah, the ruler of peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom.